You too, Rhett. Too old, buddy. Ridiculous. Let's, uh, let's uh, open with a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. God, uh, again, just uh, we're so uh, grateful to be here, Lord. And, and honestly, just reading Daniel this week, God, and what he went through and, and some of the others, God, just um, I'm, I'm thankful for freedom uh, in this moment to, to worship God. But even if that ever gets taken away, I, I hope and pray, God, that uh, my faith is in a place, God, that, that I'll worship anyway. God, I hope that we're there, Lord. I hope that we're committed to you, that we love you, God, in a way that uh, we're just not going to compromise, God. And so uh, thank you. Uh, for freedom right now. Um, God, thank you for what we have, and I, and, I, and I just hope that we are just grateful, Lord, um, for these moments. Lord, just speak to, to us today through your word, God, and uh, Lord, help our hearts to just be opened, our minds to be opened, our ears, our eyes, to hear from you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, we've uh, been journeying along in the, in the Bible, and uh, I know just wrapped up a, a very difficult book in Ezekiel, and we're into Daniel and some others. Uh, today we're going to kind of really focus in on, on Daniel, and I hope if, if you're reading along with us, if you're not, you should read Daniel this week. If you're not reading along with us, just take some time to, uh, to read Daniel. I think it uh, definitely has the possibility of being super relevant <laughs> to to us, who knows? Um, but uh, just—it's an amazing story. I love it. It's very refreshing, and you know this key character of Daniel that that uh, the the book really hones in on. There's really nothing negative said about him. Uh, it's pretty interesting, you know. And again, he's he's a flesh, right? He's a man. He sinned somewhere along the line, but uh, man, he he was faithful, and we really can take away. Some things. So there's 12 chapters, and just like we've been doing with the Bible, we're going to kind of take the 30,000 foot view of the whole book today. I'm not going to hone in on just one one part. I'm going to kind of uh, glaze through through the book because I think there's some really important things to take away. And so, uh, so we're not going to get into the second half of Daniel very much, the prophecy stuff, because we'll kind of when we get into Revelation a little bit. Uh, but we're going to uh, mention it, but we're just not going to. Uh, dig in. And this is a difficult book to not dig into, by the way. I'm pretty sure we could spend a lengthy amount of time of over a year in Daniel and the takeaways. So anyway, uh, just stay with me. I'm going to talk really fast today, probably. And uh, so you might need to take notes in, instead of, I'm not going to pause very long when I mention scriptures and things like that. But they will be up on the screen. So uh, Daniel was taken, you know, with a team of people in the first siege, and Daniel was a teenager. I just want you to, like, think about the rest of this sermon for, from that standpoint. I don't know what you were doing as a teenager. <laughs> I promise you I wasn't making commitments to God. You know, uh, I, I uh, yeah, no, um, that was the last thing on my mind. And so uh, I was all about me and living in the world of me. And, and so Daniel and, and, and some of these others get taken, and Daniel was a teenager when Nebuchadnezzar invaded Israel. And Daniel was in captivity the entire 70 years. Um, he was there the whole time. And again, just an amazing story. And Jeremiah prophesied that that's how long it would be. And it, it started around 605 B.C. when the first siege happened uh, until the first return of the exiles after in 538. And then it took a couple years uh, to make it home. 
And so that's 70 years. Some other, there's, there's another view that the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 uh, to 515 when the temple uh, was rebuilt. But either way, it's 70 years. It works. No conflict there. And so we have, uh, we have these, this group of, of fellas. Uh, there's Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their, their Hebrew names of those guys were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so uh, I'm probably going to use those uh, mostly today. But uh, anyway, they were taken captive. And again, just if you can kind of kick back, if your memory can go back that far to your teenage years and just try to stand in the shoes for a minute, you know. Uh, the, America gets invaded and we get captured and taken to a foreign land, okay? So during your teenage years, that's what went down. And so not just a foreign land, but this is the world's superpower, man. And they are not godly. They're very pagan, right? And there's a lot of pagan stuff going on. And very similar to any uh, authority would do, they, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had these vacation camps, if you will. And so he, he took the Israelites through these and tried to get them to think differently. They had to learn the language, speak differently. They had cultural classes, you know, all that stuff, because he wanted them to no longer be Israelites. He wanted them to be Babylonian. And, and, and King Nebuchadnezzar is pushing for this, and it's still going on today. Uh, it's one of the things it talks about in Revelation 2, universalism of acceptance under this governing authority and all this stuff. And, and so he's, he's doing this, uh, and he wants them uh, to adapt to the new norms. And so this is a real crisis. You know, I'm careful with that word these days. Again, I think back over my lifetime, and the only two things I can really put my thumb on is, is somewhat of a crisis. We're 9-11. We just talked about that, uh, you know, a week or so ago. And, like, I remember that, that feeling of America's under attack, you know, and just, ugh. And then, you know, I know the pandemic we just went through, and we're still dealing with some aftermath of that stuff. Uh, and, and for me, at least, at the age of almost 45, um, that, that's kind of the, I guess, the thing I can relate to the most other than some just personal crisis, you know, when your kids go through stuff and, and whatever. But, man, this is a real crisis, right? I mean, just, again, like, just taking that in for a second. We just get yanked up from our homes. We get put in chains. We get carried across the sea or land or whatever, and all of a sudden we're in this foreign land, and we're getting, getting put in re-education camps. And all this is going on, and, and all the while, uh, we're trying to keep our faith. And Daniel shows us an incredible way to live out our faith in an unfriendly world and an ungodly place. And, uh, you know, in that situation, I just, like, it would be super, super easy to just compromise, wouldn't it? It'd be super easy to, to say, you know, oh, I'm just going to tell them I don't believe in Jesus so I can live but I really do, but I'm just going to do what they say to do. I don't really, I'm, I'm bowing down to the idol, but I'm not really worshiping it, right? Like, I, I really love Jesus, but I'm just going to do what they say so they don't kill me, you know? It would be really, really easy to compromise, and as teenagers, I can't even, <laughs> can't even imagine that, you know? I know, again, as an adult, having lived some life, I could see myself maybe standing on my ground in some circuit, but as a teenager, man, I've been like, okay, <laughs> like, just go with the flow, um, and again, we're talking about Babylon, man, uh, the, the <laughs> of the world's pleasures in Babylon, right? Anything you want, any way you want to live, here it is, you know, and, and still walking with the Lord, man, it would have been 
it would have been tough. So what kept them from bowing down to these idols? What kept these guys from, from caving in and compromising? And this is it. They loved God. They loved God. And if I came around and interviewed everybody in here today, probably most of us would, if I said, do you love God? You'd be like, yes, I love God. You show up here faithfully. We, you know, we, we walk this out. But here's the thing. They loved God more than their own lives. And that puts a little deeper angle on it. And I've said this so many times. It's, it's, it's real nice and easy for me to, to sit here in the community of Cross Plains, right? We live out in the country, and we're not even impacted that much by Carrollton City stuff, right? And, and this is kind of like a safe harbor a little bit, it feels like. Do I, get, do I love God more than my own life? Daniel and his friends demonstrate integrity, discipline, humility, and courage. And they're willing to get burned or eaten by lions and not compromise. No matter what to not compromise their faith. There's a, there's a book we had to read in college. Uh, it's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders, I think. I probably messed that up. By Stephen Covey, and it's like the Bible of leadership books, you know, and he's got all these things in here. If you practice these, you're going to be a highly effective leader. And, and really, for the most part, biblical principles. So today, we're going to talk about seven habits. Seven? Yes. Seven-point sermon. I, I'm going to talk fast. Seven habits of eternally effective people. Because isn't that what we want? As we're bringing glory to God's name, I hope that we want to have eternal impact, eternal influence on the world around us, regardless of what the world is doing, okay? So we're going to look at Daniel and these guys, because again, just a great example of what that looks like in difficult times. So I'm going to lose count of these, so I'll just say somewhere, you know, we're somewhere in it, and then at the end I'll figure out that we're at number seven. The first one, and, and they're, they're, they get big, and then they get less me talking. So I'll talk bigger about the first ones and then, and then less. So we'll speed up as we go. Uh, is make commitments and live by them. I got to be honest with you. This one hit me pretty hard. There's a, there's a family that I've watched on YouTube a little bit and their journey and their family, and they have this, I don't know what they call it, the, they, their last name, and I don't even know what that is right now, and it's their creed of their family. And so they've, they've taken this poster size little thing, painting thing that they hung up and on it is the things that their family is committed to and I love it I love the idea on and I've actually been like thinking about that in the back of my head and and putting something like that together because it matters because it's one thing to just say hey you know I'm I'm this or I'm that and it it can get real wishy-washy but there's just something to when we begin to write things down and we commit to doing this thing you know uh, Daniel 1.8 says, But Daniel resolved, or if you kind of define that, he, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So you got to remember, like these guys had the Jewish law, right? For kosher foods and all this stuff going on. And then he gets brought to Babylon and he's serving uh, in, the, in the court there and like, hey, you're going to eat the king's food. This is how you're going to live. And he's like, hey, you know, we'd rather not. And God blessed him, honestly, in that moment, I think, because uh, he didn't have to adhere to that. And he went and talked to him, you know, and, and kind of worked it out. 
to where they could, they could stick to their Jewish laws and, and what they, they needed to eat. And so uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jonathan Edwards, probably. Um, he was a scientist, a scholar, the president at Princeton. He's a great pastor. But what he's known for is starting the Great Awakening that joined together the 13 colonies. Okay? And as a teenager, this is awesome. I don't know if you've ever read his commitments that he wrote down. He wrote down 70 commitments. Now, look, he's a man, too, and he's not the Bible. But I would just encourage you, if you've never read that, take some time this week to go read Jonathan Edwards' 70 commitments that he made as a teenager. They're, they're, they're t- I mean, they're, they're awesome, really. Um, and so just dig through that and, again, take it for what it's worth. But I think, I think you'd be encouraged by reading through that. Um, and, have you, and, you know, have you ever done something like that? Have you taken the time to write down the things that you are going to be committed to, that your family's going to be committed to? It's interesting, the things that I'm just not willing to compromise on. Because the test will come, won't it? At some point or another, the test will come. And maybe it's not an invasion from Babylon, but the test will come. You know, I, I know I'm a preacher and I get paid to be here. Yeah. But boy, as a kid, I didn't get paid to be here. And my parents, man, you didn't slide on that one. And they held my feet to the fire when it came to church attendance. And I fought them in high school. Man, I fought them. I would just be a jerk about it. I'd show up in my basketball practice uniforms just to embarrass them. Whatever I could do, because I didn't want to be there. But I knew good and well if I didn't show up, I might not have a bed to sleep in. And whether you agree with that or not, right, I've talked to plenty of parents like, hey, I want to give my a choice. I understand. I do. I'm, I'm raising two kids, and I'm like, hey, you know, what do I do? And I'm not trying to pick on that one. But what are we committed to that we're just not willing to compromise on? Do we let anything and everything just sway us and, nope, you know what? That's not really that important. And, like, we'll be fine if we just do this. And what are we willing to not compromise on? To the point that we make a statement, we write it down, and it's something we live by and we share with our family or our friends and like, hey, I'm holding to this because that's what we see here with Daniel and these guys. They just weren't, they weren't willing to compromise. They had determined in their heart and they had resolved and God blessed them. And so they were allowed to, to eat the Jewish foods and they ended up doing what? Being way healthier than the king's men, right? And they made a statement. God, they weren't being arrogant. They weren't trying to out there tells me, look at us. But God used their commitment to impact that kingdom because they were healthier and stronger than the king's men. And it made a difference. Make a commitment and live by it. The next, number two, take initiative with confidence, not in ourselves, but in God. Be confident in the things that God is doing and willing to take initiative on some things. Sometimes I know it's just easy for us to sit back and be like, I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm waiting on the Lord. And there is sometimes a waiting on the Lord without question. But if we're walking with Him, I think we're going to develop this boldness to just jump in to some things, knowing that God is going to provide and do something special. But if I'm not walking with Him, I'm going to miss opportunities like Daniel had. In Daniel 2, there's this dream. The king, the king has this dream, and it just flips him out. And he's, he's kind of worried about it and disturbed, and he calls all his important magicians and sorcerers and jugglers, and I don't know who else, 
all these people in and says, hey, I had a dream, and I want you to interpret it. This is what I pay you for, by the way, to, to give me special knowledge that other people can't do. So I, I, wanna, like, I need you to tell me uh, what my dream means. But here's the catch. I'm not going to tell you my dream. I bet they loved that. <laughs> oh, man. Like we were all ready until he played that card. I'm not going to tell you my dream. I want you to tell me what I dreamed. Are you kidding me? And then I want you to interpret it. That would have been a fun moment to be in the king's council. And it led to exactly where they thought it was going to lead. They can't do it. <laughs> Who could do that, right? And so the king gets ticked off, man, because he's paying them to do this job, and they can't do it. And so he's like, I'm killing everybody. And Daniel's like, wait, 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 wait. I'll do it. Note, Daniel had not had a conversation about the Lord. He didn't go, now, God, is it okay to say yes to this? No, no, he just boldly stepped out. And, and so all these other guys were whining and all this stuff, and he's like, hey, I'll do it. And then he went and prayed, and, and God showed up confidently when he went before Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, let's read 26 through 28 of chapter 2 there. Uh, it says, The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, and you are to make known to me the dream I have seen and its interpretation. And Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. And so he ends up unfolding this incredible dream of the statue and all these gold and silver and all this stuff. We're not going to go through all that uh, today. But the question that, that stems from it, was that risky for Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, well, he was gonna, the king was going to kill everybody anyway. But it was still risky for him to stick, stick his neck out there like that. And at the same time, no, it wasn't risky because Daniel walked with the Lord, man. He walked with the Lord, and he stepped into that situation confident. Hey, my God can do this. Before the king, man. Again, I know we have no concept of what that really was like. But you spoke to the king, your life was on the line, no matter what. It was on the line. And he just stepped into this situation very, very boldly. We can take initiative in what God is doing, and, and he's going to get glory from it. So we can have confidence in him. Third thing, stand firm when compromise is the norm. Stand firm when compromise is the norm. There's this idol of gold that they make, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar sets it up, and, and again, this is a pagan nation, man. They, they are uh, definitely moving not towards God, and so everyone is, is supposed to bow down and worship this thing, and, and I shared, he's trying to unify everybody, the world, under this one government thing, and, uh, and so everybody's going to bow down and be unified in worshiping this gold thing. And if you don't, you're burned alive. Not jail, man, you're burned alive. <laughs> and God calls us to worship and obey Him and Him alone. And I got to tell you, man, in that moment, I mean, I, it would be tempting to just fall down and go through the motions, right? No, who's going to know, right? Nobody's going to know. You're not really worshiping it. You really love the Lord. You're just like not getting thrown in a fire. Who can fault you for that, right? We're on this side of the cross. Man, there's grace and mercy. You're good. Whew. Not for these guys. 
Man, they stood their ground. No matter what the, the, the altar of the world and the culture was saying, man, they stood their ground. The enemy wants you to worship other things. It wants you to value other things over God. And he uses political correctness, politics, governments, money, whatever he's going to use to get you to value something more than God, he's going to use it. And the awesome thing is if we'll stand our ground, God's going to use us in a mighty way. And it might end in martyrdom. But do we love God more than our own lives? It's a big, tough question. And again, I don't know that any of us have ever been put to the test. Maybe you have. I have not. But do we? Are we willing to, to make that commitment now so when the rubber meets the road and we actually are put to the test, we stand our ground because we're committed to it. But if we're just wishy-washy out here and flopping back and forth, when that moment comes, I don't think we will stand our ground. Daniel 3, 15 through 18 says, Now if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Mm. So Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Woo! You don't say stuff like that to a king. He was furious. He was so angry. The Bible says he made the furnace seven times hotter. Now, I don't know what that fully means. I don't know if they had the little temperature gun like I use in my kitchen or the instant meat thermometer. I don't know what, how they know that. But what I do know is Babylon had made some serious advances in furnaces and being able to uh, make and mold glass things. Like they had really uh, kind of cornered the market during that time. Of they, they had really made some advancements in furnace and the heat they could achieve and all that kind of stuff. So whatever they, they knew how to do, they did it right, right? They were specialty uh, at it, kind of like the Romans in crucifixion, right? They just mastered that. They got that one down. And, uh, and so the, the Babylonians knew how to heat up a furnace and make things really hot. And so they, no matter what seven times hotter means, man, it was smoking hot. And it was so hot that when the guys took the guys in there, they died, right? I mean, just that intense of a heat, uh, just extreme. And so we're going to watch these guys burn. And then no one else is going to stand up against the king. So they, sure enough, they, they throw him in there and the king's looking and he looks again. And, uh, you know, the guys are in there having a party, man. They're dancing around, doing, doing whatever. The ropes burn, burn off. And, and the king sees a fourth person who looks like the Son of God. Daniel's written in Aramaic, and uh, it, it can either be Son of God or Sons of God. Um, but, you know, man, I, I don't know about you, but, like, for me, it's Jesus. Jesus is in the fire with him, man. I, I believe that with all my heart. Uh, that he's in there with them. And the lesson is when we refuse to compromise, when you refuse to compromise, it's going to cost you. Take that to the bank. It's going to cost you. And in this case, man, they got thrown to a fire 
But the awesome thing is God will go through the fire with you. He'll be in the fire with you. You are not alone. And you can take that to the bank as well. You remember in Arizona? Uh, Arizona. Y'all remember when we went to Arizona that time? I don't even know where that came from. Isaiah. That sounds just like Arizona. Isaiah 43 that we read just a little while back. Um, the start in the, the kind of the middle of verse one, it says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Can you just see these guys in there? Uh, maybe they were even reciting that man and quoting that verse to each other and and whoo, what a moment. What a moment as, we, as we've read some incredible stories after incredible stories. If they had compromised, they would have never experienced this moment. We wouldn't get to read about it. They wouldn't have this story to tell. But they stood their ground. Daniel 3, uh, 27 through 30 says, And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their head was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Man, we, have like, we do s'mores around a campfire a lot in my family, and uh, man, I smell like campfire for the next two days. I love it, you know. Um, but they, they didn't even smell smoke, nothing, nothing. And Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who has sent his angels and his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. This is making an impact on the king. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the province of Babylon, People pay attention when you're in the fire. You better believe it. They're watching us believers to see how we react. And unfortunately, way too often, we respond just like the world. Just like the world. And we miss out on an opportunity to bring God glory. To bring Him glory. So stand firm. The next one, wherever we're at. Stay humble. Man, humility. This is huge. This is huge, and it's all throughout Daniel. And again, these guys had every right to puff out their chest, and they had, God had just raised them through the ranks, and they didn't. They stayed humble. Daniel stayed humble. King Nebuchadnezzar has this second dream. And uh, man, Daniel, had, uh, and again, just take note, this is a pagan king and a pagan religion all this stuff. But Daniel had, had developed a relationship with King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar has this second dream. And it's pretty vivid. And it's a tree and all this stuff. And, and he calls Daniel in to tell him what the dream means. And I, Daniel's like, oh man, I wish this was about your enemies. And King's like, man, come on, just give it to me. Give it to me. Because Daniel doesn't want this to be true about the king. I believe he cares for him. And so he goes on and to tell him, you know, seven years or seven time periods, we're not real sure what, what it means. It could have been seasonal or something, but the seven chunks of time 
the king is going to go insane and he's going to be eating grass and all kinds of weird stuff. And, and God's going God's to humble the king is what he's going to do. Well, apparently King Nebuchadnezzar forgets. And uh, months in, uh, Daniel 4, 29 through 33, it says, At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal Babylon. Listen to this, man. I don't know if you've ever been here, like patting yourself back on the, on the kingdom you've built. The king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still on the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from among men, and he ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew long, as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Man, that'd be terrible. I had to cut mine yesterday because there was a little white in them. I'm like, ah! Just living like a wild, crazy man. Because God had to humble him. And then he writes in, in verse 34, At the end of the days, I... Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. Repentance, brothers and sisters, you better believe it. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right, and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble and he repented. This is like the closest salvation experience thing we get in the Old Testament. God can, hum- can God humble our leaders? Yeah, he can. He can. Can he humble you? Yeah, he can. And I just want to suggest this morning that we make a whole lot of effort to stay humble. That probably ought to be a pretty permanent part of your prayer life. For God to keep you humble. Because it never goes well for the prideful in Scripture. <laughs> you know, we talk about bringing glory to God, and that's it, man. You know, we see this over again, over and over again in Daniel. They gave God the glory. They gave God the glory. They were elevated in, in, in status for sure, but they, didn't, they weren't seeking that. And every time we see them get elevated, they use it as another platform for the Lord. Is that you? Is that me? Like, am I really using this platform to bring glory to God? Or am I building my own kingdom? Nextly, that's not a word. Speak the truth when it's hard. Speak the truth when it's hard. Daniel does this a lot. So after Nebuchadnezzar, his son, Belshazzar, the next king, uh, it's, it's interesting, we didn't, it was just, I don't know how many years ago, it wasn't very many, many years ago, they actually uncovered uh, information about him. They had nothing on him. 
uh, for a long, long time, and they discovered uh, some writings about him in, in uh, the ruins of Babylon. So that's pretty neat. I always love when things in the scriptures, uh, they find things like, oh, hey, yeah, <laughs> it's there. Uh, so Belshazzar was having this huge party, and all the important people were there, man, and they're partying it up like they party, right? And all this stuff's going on, and they're eating and drinking, and, and uh, they run out of red solo cups for their beer. Oops. And so the king's like, well, what are we going to do? You know, and they didn't have a Dollar General to run to. So they are like, hey, we invaded Israel, and I think they had some cups. And so they, they go and get these cups. Man, and those were the things that were set, set apart, the sacred things. And God gets really angry. And this mysterious hand just shows up and starts writing mysterious things on the wall to the point that the, the, the king's color changed, it said. And I would imagine it, it went to ghost white out of fear. So Daniel 5, we're going to jump in in, in verse 13. It says, uh, Then Daniel was brought before the king, and the king answered and said to Daniel, You are the Daniel, right? You are the, that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I have heard of you, and that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and, that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show me the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed, and here he goes, all his gifts, with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself. And give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed, and whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up, and whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them, have you, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed, and this is the writing that was inscribed, Many, 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 tekel, parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Many, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And parson, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed in purple and a chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom, soon to become second, real quick. That very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius, the Mede, received the kingdom, about 62 years old. Mm. 
He knew. And he did not adhere. And he, mm, he insulted God is what he did. And Daniel stood up in a very difficult scene in a very difficult moment and told the truth. Now I want you to notice here, I'm not, again, you got to follow the Lord, man, and, and things. And Daniel didn't parade in there. He was invited in. He was invited in. And he was lavished with all kinds of opportunity for gifts. And he's like, I don't want any of that. But I'm going to do what, what God wants me to do. And I'm going to tell you the truth. And he did. All right, stretch. Last two. Here we go. Mm, stand up, do jumping jacks if you need to. Land in this plane. Number six, quietly practice spiritual disciplines no matter the cost. The simple things, you guys, they are going to add up. They're going to add up. Like being in the Word and praying and giving and meditating on the Word and fasting and worshiping together. Daniel 6, 1-6, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom, to whom these satraps should give account so that, the kings, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished uh-oh, above all the other officials and satraps. Hey, jealousy, because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But guess what? They could not find anything. They could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. These men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his gods. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to, to, to him, oh, King Darius, they went in and, you know, kissed his feet, live forever. And so they end up tricking Darius into making this, this law, you know, that, that people have to worship this statue of, or this image of Darius. And he didn't realize what he was doing. And when he found out, man, that it was going to end up punishing Daniel, he did everything he could, but he had made the law and he had to stand by it. And so, uh, you know, they, they end up uh, throwing uh, Daniel into the lion's den. And it's interesting because um, Daniel didn't hide his faith. You know, I, again, I don't think he was out here parading it in front of everybody, but these officials knew what he did. They knew that he prayed and they knew that he worshiped the God, right? And, and so they knew how to get him. And he didn't cave. And, and the king that night, man, threw Daniel in the lion's den, had probably the worst sleep of his night life. And, and I don't know how Daniel slept, but I imagine it was pretty nice. I don't know. Um, the lions were hungry, right? This wasn't some just, oh, they got fed. Because later, <laughs> the, the satraps and the people who tried to trick Daniel get thrown in, and uh, they did not have as pleasant of an evening as Daniel did. Um, God's got it, brothers and sisters. He's got it. He's got it. You stand firm. Do the simple things. The little things matter. Stand faithful to the little things. Daniel 6, 25-28. The king Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions... So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. He prospered because he did the little things and he wasn't willing to compromise. 
Lastly, this is where we end a lot. Do not forget, remember that God controls all to the end. And the second half of Daniel really digs into that. And again, we're not going to get into a lot of that uh, today. Um, but man, <laughs> God's kingdom is forever. It's eternal, man. Nations are going to rise. Nations are going to fall. Even the USA. I'm a patriot. I mean, I, you know, I've shared that. I'm very few things stir me emotionally, like the people who have sacrificed and given uh, for what. But this isn't God's kingdom. His kingdom is higher than America. Okay, if your patriotism supersedes your God's kingdom thing, you're wrong. I love you. You're wrong. God's kingdom comes first before everything else. Everything else. And I'm so thankful for our country, and I'm not making light of that. But His kingdom comes first. Do not put your hopes in all the political junk of this world or into your patriotism or into America's military, all right? It's God and God alone. It's God alone. Matthew 6, 33. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Man, there were so many things that Daniel and his merry men got to experience because they were faithful and committed and would not compromise. God came first. And they got elevated. It could have cost them. It did cost them, right? It cost them. And then God saved and got glory from it over and over again because of what they did. So this morning as we close, man, I hope, I hope that as a people of God, we want to develop habits that are going to have an eternal impact. And they will. Man, God wants to use us in His kingdom and, and to get glory. And so if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, that's, that's what's going to happen. We're going to have stories to share about what God's doing. And it's all for His glory, not my own. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to go back over these. And there's a lot of information, a lot. Woo. Um, just pick one. Pick one that maybe you struggle with. Or you, you want to, to, to see you develop a little bit and make it a prayer priority this week. Okay? You can do that. Just pick one. So the first one, make commitments, and I would encourage you to write those down, to God and live by them. Some godly commitments in your life and live by them. No questions. I'm doing this no matter what. Two, Take initiative with confidence, knowing that God is with you. If you're walking with Him, He's with you, right? Maybe you're like, well, I can't do that because I'm not really... Yeah, you got to get that relationship part there, or don't do this one. You can pray about this one, though. Um, step into situations where you know, hey, man, there needs to be a godly influence here. And go in with, with confidence in who God is, that He's going to use you to do something amazing to bring glory to Him. Three, stand firm when compromise is the norm. Man, I'm very thankful for what I get to do for a living, but I know some of you are in very difficult job situations where your companies ask you to, to lie and to fudge the numbers and to uh, manipulate people into things, and I know that. I hear from some of you, and I'm telling you, stand firm. 
when compromise is the norm. Don't budge, man, on what God, who God wants you to be, no matter what it costs. Stand firm. That's number four. Number five, stay humble. Uh, we all could probably like add, just go ahead and add this one to your list. We'll all do it. Well, I'll just pray this week to, for God to help us to stay humble. I, I mean, uh, we're Americans, all right, and and pride just is in our DNA, and uh, it, it is it is a, I know it's something as a culture we really battle and struggle with. But I think just as as flesh, I think it's a natural state of the flesh to get prideful, and God will do something right, and then we become prideful about it. So pray. Pray. This needs to be something I think needs to be in your prayer life all the time. Pray to stay humble. Speak the truth even when it's hard. It's hard. Speak the truth. Um, and again, I know that's a difficult one, and I'm not trying to, man, I, that, that's, a, that's a tricky one because sometimes we could just be like, well, every, like I can just go out here and lamb blast people with Scripture. You can. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how far you're going to get. In the example Daniel gave, he was invited into that situation, and he stepped into it boldly spoke the truth. So, man, when, when opportunities are there, like, don't cower down to, to say what the truth is, even if it's hard. Number six, quietly practice spiritual disciplines. This is the stuff behind the scenes that no one's seeing, right? You're not going to get a pat on the back for this one. But if you're not doing this, brothers and sisters, man, you're really missing it. This is what it means to walk with the Lord, to have time with Him, to know His Word, to be talking to Him, uh, you know, and doing the things He says. Like, we got to practice our spiritual disciplines. And don't get caught up in worldly versions of that. Stick to the Scriptures. Meditate on the Word of God. You know, like, the simple things. The simple things. And the last one, man, I hope we all just take heart in this to remember that God is in control. He is in control. <laughs> And if you'll do these things, if you'll not compromise, He's going to use you. He's going to use your life and your story to make an eternal impact on things. That's what's awesome, you know? Uh, and, and it's been one of the cool things like, that we've seen over this journey. Like there's things that happen, and before God pulls the trigger, He sends a person in there to be involved in that, even though He could just do it on His own, right? He doesn't. He lets us be a part of, of His plan. And, and so I pray with all my heart that, that we are living a life where we get to be a part of, of God's story and we get to bring glory to Him. So will you make a commitment this week to make a commitment and live by it, to take initiative with confidence, stand firm when compromise is the norm, stay humble, speak the truth when it's hard, quietly practice spiritual disciplines, and never forget that God is in control. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand and sing our closing song. Father, uh, thank you again for the, the book of Daniel. And just, man, there are so many things to take away, uh, God. And I, and I know it can even be overwhelming, Lord. And I pray, I pray right now, Lord, you know us. You know us. God, you knitted us together, um, Lord. And, and I, I pray right now that, that whatever, whatever one of those resonated, God, I, I pray that you help us to walk it out in our life. God, that, that you help us to make it a part of our our prayer, God, and Lord, we just live a surrendered life to you, Father, and that we grow in our habits, God, and that we stand firm, God, that we're steadfast to the commitment that we made to you. God, this world, it's going to keep 
doing what it does. I pray that we are a holy people, that we are separate. God, and not, again, not in some puffed out chest, God, but that we are just faithful because we love you more than we love our own lives. Thank you for sending Jesus to sacrifice on the cross for us. Thank you for giving us the gift of your spirit so that we can have understanding on, on things that, as we read them and help when, we, when the application part comes in. Thank you for all of that, Lord. God, just move amongst your people. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.